It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, May 6. I'm Meredith Reddick with Raven News. Alaska's visitor industry is holding out hope that large cruise ships may be allowed to sail sometime this season, possibly by July. But Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan says it would require policy changes on both sides of the U.S.-Canada border for that to happen, and time is tight. Sullivan was in Sitka on Tuesday for a long luncheon with stakeholders in the visitor industry. Afterwards, he spoke with local media. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. There are two policy barriers to a large cruise ship season in Alaska this summer. The conditional sailing order issued by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, which is considered impractical but has relaxed somewhat recently, and the Passenger Vessel Services Act. The PVSA, also called the Jones Act, requires foreign-flagged passenger vessels to originate in a foreign port or call in one before landing in the United States. Senator Sullivan and his senior colleague, Senator Lisa Murkowski, tried to pass a temporary suspension of the law in the Senate by unanimous consent, a risky maneuver that can be blocked by a single objection from another senator. It failed. We haven't given up yet on the cruise ship season. Uh, matter of fact, in like 20 minutes, I got a call with the Secretary of Homeland Security. Again, I had a call with him on Sunday. We're pressing this issue on the Passenger Vessel Service Act, right. trying to get it changed and a, a short-term suspension of it, passed in the law. As you know, passing a law on anything is not easy. And if that's not working, our plan B is to work on a, you know, what would be kind of a, a technical compliance where you could pull a, a ship into Canada that would comply from a technical perspective with the PVSA, then it could still come up here. Technical compliance is another way of saying following the letter, if not the spirit, of the PVSA. We're not asking much at all. It might be just be pulling into a port with nobody even getting off, possibly. Sullivan has also introduced legislation that would revoke the conditional sailing order imposed on the cruise industry by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Senator Patty Murray of Washington State blocked that one, saying, while I am as eager as anyone else to see a return to travel, we cannot cut corners. Doing so risks lives and will only further delay returning to normal, hurting our economy more in the long run. The state of Alaska, in the meantime, has joined Florida in a lawsuit to attempt to force the CDC to drop the conditional sailing order, Sullivan says he thinks the policy at the CDC is not in step with reality. I'm not sure I would call it coercing them. When I meet with them, I very much try to walk them through the facts and the data. And the biggest one, as you guys know, that's the game changer, is the vaccination rate. I just think they're slow to get to the point where they're incorporating new data into their decision-making. Even though so much is at stake for Alaska and large ship cruising, Senators Sullivan and Murkowski have struggled to recruit allies in their effort to pass these short-term legislative measures that would help both Alaska and the cruise industry. Cruising is perceived as largely foreign-flagged and foreign-owned and uncooperative, if not evasive, on taxation and regulatory issues. This might explain some of the hesitancy in the Senate to throw its weight behind the issue. 
I think your point about not having a, a lot of friends is pretty good description of a lot of what goes on in the Congress. Nevertheless, Sullivan says the problems with the Passenger Vessel Services Act and the CDC's conditional sailing order are solvable. He thinks senators who offered objections to his bills can be persuaded to tighten their focus, refrain from adding controversial amendments, and help Alaska's cruise industry recover this year if there's any industry left to recover. Sitka's workforce dropped by 25% in May of 2020, over 1,300 jobs, many of them in the visitor sector. Even if large ship cruising were to return to Alaska tomorrow, that vacuum would be hard to fill everywhere in the state, and Sullivan knows it. The question, as you know, is we're running out of time. Every day, every hour that we're not resolving this makes it a little less likely that we're going to be able to resolve it. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Property was damaged in a car accident on Catlian Street early Wednesday morning. Sitka police were notified of the incident shortly before 3 a.m. According to police spokesperson Serena Wild, the driver clipped the porch off of a house on the east side of Catlian Street and then swerved across the street, hitting a parked car. Wild says the driver and passenger in the car sustained minor injuries and were taken to Mount Edgecombe Medical Center. The driver was later arrested for a DUI. A World War II-era tugboat that had gone from a familiar landmark in Juneau's Gastineau Channel to a derelict nuisance is sitting on the ocean floor. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, the Coast Guard and Juneau port officials recently worked together to send the lumbermen to a watery grave. It was a foggy Sunday morning when the 80-year-old tugboat left Gastineau Channel for the last time. The lumberman was towed by a Coast Guard cutter for her last trip out to sea. The black and yellow tug had long been a familiar sight in Juneau's inland waters. She'd arrived in the late 90s from Puget Sound. She'd changed hands several times, decaying over the years to become a rustic liveaboard that skirted local laws. When it first showed up, it was kind of illegally placed um, off the harbor breakwater, and we had a dispute with the owner at the time that um, he couldn't be there. He claimed that he was on um, state lands and had the right to be there. That's Juno's port director, Carl Yucatel. Anchored on city-owned tidelands outside the harbor, she sat in a jurisdictional no-man's land that was out of reach of local officials. The lumberman could often be seen from the highway with a collection of skiffs moored to her rusting hull. The vintage tug became a magnet for people unable to find shelter in a community that's long struggled with a lack of affordable housing. Of course, there was that unfortunate accident where two people perished going out to the, the lumberman. He's referring to a December 2017 accident when a skiff carrying five people and a dog overturned while heading out to the tugboat. Two men were never found. The city later moved to condemn the 192-ton vessel, and that's after she broke her anchor chain and moved off state-owned tidelands. But then came the question of whose responsibility she was. The owner was long out of the picture. The state didn't want her. The Coast Guard didn't consider her a navigation hazard, and it cost too much to scrap her, so she sat for more than a year abandoned, tied to a city dock. This is just the, the typical you know, poster child of what a derelict vessel is where people aren't responsible with their vessels, passing them from one person down to another. And um, the difficulties, all harbor masters and port directors throughout, throughout the state and frankly throughout the, the country, 
in dealing with troubled vessels. To date, the city spent about $160,000 to clean and prep and ultimately scuttle the ship. The Coast Guard had also spent close to $70,000 to remove hazardous materials. Still, nobody really wanted to sink her. Juno's docks and harbors even appealed to the public for ideas for what could be done with the hulking beauty. Most all the suggestions were what you should do is, and, you know, fill in the blank, you know, fish and ships shop at, at Sandy Beach or a community flower garden, you know. There was never an organization that said, I'll take it over, I have some funding, I will do this. That was three years ago. In all that time, it would remain the city's problem. Then last fall, federal regulators issued a permit greenlighting sinking the ship in about 8,400 feet of water. The plan called for her to be towed about 55 miles west of Cross Sound. You could tell worked with a salvage firm to rig the tugboat with remotely opening valves that could flood the 107-foot tug at a flick of a switch. We had consulted with a naval architect to make sure that the vessel would indeed flood and sink at the proposed spot. The salvage crew headed out early Sunday, and at first everything went according to plan. But Coast Guard Chief Petty Officer Kip Wadlow says that the flooded vessel didn't completely sink. Her bow continued to bob up and down, protruding from the water's surface. And then the Coast Guard Cutter John McCormick, a 154-foot Coast Guard fast response cutter, used its 25-millimeter deck gun to complete the sinking. Within 15 seconds, the waters of the Pacific close over the ship as she sinks to the ocean floor, an inglorious end to the saga of the lumberman that Sunday afternoon. In recent years, Juno's assembly has since tightened up its anchoring rules on city-owned tidelands, and the legislature passed a law requiring boats to be titled to tighten up the chain of ownership, all in the name of cracking down on derelicts and sparing them the notoriety of becoming a public nuisance like the 80-year-old lumberman tugboat. Reporting in Juno. I'm Jacob Resnick. Taking a look at Sitka's community calendar for today, Thursday, May 6th. Today, Mount Edgecombe High School's graduation ceremony is today in the main campus parking lot. The Sitka Outreach and Support Lifeline Group meets 2 p.m. today via Zoom. Those interested in creating more racially equitable organizations are invited to a free meeting today via Zoom. Looking forward to tomorrow, Friday, May 7th, the Alaska Marine Safety Education Association conducts a fishing vessel drill conductor class that's 8 a.m. tomorrow at the Northern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association. The cost is $125 for commercial fishermen and $185 for all others. You can find more information on our website at kcw.org. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.